Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Connor said, because he's all about the podcast now, Mr. Crosby, he's full on got a hard on for the podcast. He said, be sure to give us a five star rating on Spotify and Apple podcasts. It really helps us out a lot. And it does, actually. It really does help you. So, you know, if, if we get enough likes, if we start getting a few listens, I may do it and a solo Anfield Agenda podcast, audio only once a week. Good evening, my friends. How are we? Pleasure to be back with you all. It's been a busy weekend of football, hasn't it? With some crazy results today, you know, 5-3 in the earlier game. Who would have thought that Everton would have gone to the Amex and won by five goals to one as well? They've dragged themselves out of the relegation zone. So we've a lot to get through tonight. Of course, we're going to speak about transfer targets. We're going to look ahead to the game against Leicester next Monday, which is a huge game for them, of course, in their own relegation battle. And, uh, oh yeah, is top four back on? It may just be. We will be discussing that as well. But most importantly, thank you to you all for joining me tonight. I appreciate you giving up some of your Monday evening. I know it's a bank holiday over in the UK. So, yeah, let's uh, strap ourselves in, have a little bit of fun and not take life too seriously. Somebody said top four deal or top four possible means uh, nips out deal still on or shirt off deal still on. Yes, Liam, I'm a man of my word. Aline, excuse me. I'm a man of my word. Liverpool get top four. Nipple time. <laughs> Nobody wants it, except me and you, mate, maybe. But hey, who cares? We'll have a bit of fun with it. Uh, right, doesn't look like there's much competition for McAllister's signature. He's Liverpool's player if you want him by the looks of things, said Sean. Oh, there is competition, Sean. Don't be fooled by that, my friend. It's just that we're, you know, putting together the best proposals. We will talk about that. And again, if you haven't read David Ornstein's piece in The Athletic, there's a little bit of talk about a clause that exists. And I will go through that and give you the the uh, ins and outs of it. If you have The Athletic, of course, you can just have a read it for yourself. But if not, I'm here to help you out. Um, and look, I see a few comments in the chat about Marvin and what happened on the kickoff yesterday. And look, let me just say to you, Shit happens. It's okay. You know, we you don't always have to agree with everybody in all aspects of life. And I hold no grudges against anybody for anything like that. So got a bit heated. It is what it is. Um, it's fine. It's no no biggie at my end. Uh, so yeah. 
appreciate your kindness as always, but don't, uh, you know, no, I, I don't want anybody to have a pop at anybody. As you can see, I'm capable of standing up for myself and having a pop if I need to. So, yeah, it's all good, my man. All good. Uh, Sean, who is a United fan, of course, the top four is on. From what I've seen of United, the bottling mentality is kicked back in. Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's so hard to know, Sean, isn't it? Because pressure does different things to different players and different stadiums and in different situations. And I think you should have too much, mate. I mean, I can see you should surely grind out three wins. If you can grind out those three wins, nothing we can do about it. But I didn't think we'd be here. I didn't think we'd be even able to shout at this moment in time. And we are. So, um... That's all we can do. Just keep trying to get wins and see what happens to those around us. But it's not in our own hands, so let's wait and see. Did you see what happened on pitch side? I did, yes. Um, Connor, I mean, I hope the lad's okay. I mean, yeah, I just seen the clip, mate. I seen the clip. Um, the lads were having an arm wrestle and your man's arm broke. Fucking hell. Now, let me say this. I don't know the lads, but he took it like a fucking champ. Let me say that. Man took it like a champ. That was me. I'd probably be whinging and crying, but yeah, he, he took it. Um, he took it well, and I wish him a speedy recovery. I don't know the lad from Adam, but um, never want to see anything like that happen. So yeah, I hope he's okay. That's my only little bit I'd add to it. Um, yeah, fucking hell, weird though, right? Like scary stuff. The lad's arm wrestling, then arm goes the other way. Um, yeah, as I said, I just hope he's okay. That's the only thing. Uh, Craig, will City beat Madrid tomorrow and win the treble? I don't know if they'll win tomorrow, but I have a fear that they could win the tie. Yeah, look, it's 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 going to be a very close tie, I think, over two legs. You know, I don't see anybody winning it easily. Um, I would say it's probably, I'd say it's a 50-50 tie. I think it is that close, you know. City are a better team, in my opinion, with better players overall. But I still, there's something about Real Madrid. There's something about that group. There's something about Carlo Ancelotti. They are just formidable. They are... They're serious, as we know only too well. And look, they have that muscle memory, of course, of, of knocking out Manchester City last year very, very dramatically as well. So it's going to be a great game. Um, and let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. By the way, I want to talk about something in a minute, and it's Alan Shearer and his hypocrisy, which I understand, and I'm not hating on Shearer for, but I still want to bring it up anyway. It's City's quality will prove... I think City's quality will... Prove the difference this time, said Casey. Madrid need to bring a two-goal lead to the Etihad. I, I, yeah, I'm probably with you on that. I'm probably with you on that. I think... See, City are like us. in that, Like us at our very best, I should say. In that They're one of those teams that if they put together a 15-20 minute period, they you, you can be looking around going, what on earth has gone on here? Like 15 minutes ago, everything was grand. And now, two or three goals fly by. So... Um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, but yeah, look, Carlo knows how to win. I think the I think you probably agree with me on this. I think the winner of the, of the Champions League comes from the winner of that semi final. But it is really interesting as well to have an all Madrid or an all Milan derby in the other semi final. You're midway through Alan Shearer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So Alan Shearer. So I don't know if you guys have seen this, but there was a clip circulating on Twitter that Connor sent me of an interview that Alan Shearer did with Dermot Gallagher after the Newcastle game. Now, obviously, I was over in the kickoff yesterday. We covered that game, and I spotted straight away he hit his leg. Once I seen one replay, I said, that hit his leg, not his arm. And, you know, there was some difference of opinion, but eventually the penalty was cancelled out. The man who was suddenly all for being respectful to officials and stuff was having a little bit, uh, 
having a little bit of a pop, getting a little bit belligerent towards uh, Dermot Gallagher um, over the reversal of that penalty decision. And I think Mr. Shearer may need to put his specs on because to me that very, very clearly hit his leg and that was a very good example of VAR getting something right for me. So do I understood what the referee gave it in real time? 100%. I think all of us initially went, what? And then when we see the replay, that's when the doubt started to creep in. So I just wish some of these pundits understand that they too can be hypocrites. And that's okay. We're all fucking hypocrites. But let's not get on our high horses when it's Jurgen Klopp in Liverpool and not keep the same energy when it's Arteta or when it's uh, a decision that goes against Newcastle, let's say. You know, keep that same energy, Mr. Shearer. Again, big fan, Alan. Big fan of everything you do. Good pundit, great footballer. But uh, disagree with you on the interview with Dermot Gallagher. Uh, let's move on to Alexis McAllister. So we'll move on to talk about Alexis McAllister's situation. So there are two pieces of news today around Alexis McAllister. One from Football Insider, who say that Liverpool have agreed a deal with his representatives, or excuse me, yeah, I think I've agreed to deal with his representatives on a package that is up to 150,000 quid a week. So yeah, 150 grand a week is apparently what the people at Football Insider have said. They say Liverpool have met Alexis McAllister's representatives for face-to-face -face talks and offered him a contract worth more than 150,000 pound a week. Obviously, you can find all of this information over on the Anfield Agenda Twitter account which, by the way, is closing in on 50k. So if you haven't given us a follow on Twitter, please do. Um, but there's also a second piece of news today, obviously, around Alexis McAllister, and that comes from David Ornstein of The Athletic. David Ornstein has suggested that there is a clause in Alexis McAllister's contract, but it's a little bit tricky. Let me explain why. He said, It is understood the terms do indeed contain a mechanism which can be used to help facilitate a move that has contributed to the level of interest building to prize Alexis McAllister away from Brighton. This is thought not to be a typical release clause other clubs may simply trigger, leaving the player to choose their next step, but a more complex feature that gives Brighton a say over the outcome. As a result, the situation is not a foregone conclusion, and there is no agreement in place for McAllister to leave the Amex Stadium, although that could well materialise. Um, so, yeah. So, again, we were talking during the week, like, is there this clause? Because we started hearing these little murmurings of maybe a clause in there, and... It looks like it is, but it's not a straightforward clause. But what I what I take from all of this is that there's certainly there's certainly an, an understanding and a willingness from Brighton to come to the table over Alexis McAllister. Um, we've seen fees from fifty to sixty five million mentioned. Again, let's wait and see. But on the wage thing, one hundred and fifty thousand pound a week sounds about right for me. If you're bringing in somebody to be a mainstay in your midfield, I think that's a that's a wage that we can certainly understand the club paying. Contrast that with the rumoured £380,000 a week that uh, Mr Jude Bellingham is apparently going to receive when he goes to Real Madrid, making him their second highest paid player. And you can see where the numbers for Liverpool maybe got a little bit too uh, worrying. Because if you add in the transfer fee and then you add in that much money every week, you know, you can see how those numbers stack up and why Liverpool, unfortunately for me, and maybe for all of us, came to the table and said, well, look, we need to put our eggs in multiple baskets and not just in the Bellingham-shaped basket. But, yeah, there you go. 150 grand a week sounds decent to me. 
Uh, Craig, I think mount in the advanced right central mid role for us would work. Um, it'd sue them. So on Mason Mount, did you guys? And it's I think this could be a first. You know, I actually agree with something that um Gabby Ogbonlahor said, and uh, I don't know if it was on Talksport or where he said it, but I remember reading it in the Echo. I think, um, and he was saying basically that he's not worth it. He's not worth what he's uh what he's been asking, or you know, he makes the point that. His goals return is not good enough for an advanced midfielder, attacking midfielder. He points to, uh, obviously, Martin Odegaard's 14 goals, I think, this season. And you know what? I agree with Gabby Agbon Lahore. I'm kinda, I've gone cold on the idea of Mason Mount over the past week or two. Um, I certainly don't feel there's... I don't feel it's nailed on. I don't feel like if, if we sign Mount, it would definitely work. Whereas I feel like if we sign McAllister, it would definitely work. So maybe I'm alone in that. Don't know, but I'm not going to be upset if we don't sign Mason Mount at all. Any updates on Gravenberch? Only that you guys are in. That's the only update I've got for you, Man City. So yesterday, um, just before we took off, actually, I, I was updating my feed and I was reading stuff and uh, I seen that you guys had apparently now shown interest in Gravenberch. So, yeah. That's all I know. Would prefer Gabri Vega, said Callum Garrett. So the latest I've seen on him is that Arsenal are apparently very interested in him. He has a 40 million euro release clause in his Celta Vigo contract, as per many reports out there and coming from uh, Celta Vigo, I believe, as well. So other than that, don't know. No idea. If if Like, I know the hype around the kid, um, but I can't tell you anything about our interest. Um, but if we go back to what what's the news like Neil Jones said, he said that Liverpool are ideally looking towards the Premier League for their recruitment, but doesn't rule out the potential of maybe looking abroad. Man City said kind of like the idea of him Gravenberch. I don't know, man. I'm a, I'm I'm not as hyped about the possibility of Liverpool signing Gravenberch that other Liverpool fans are. Um, could be my own ignorance though, you know, because I can't say. I can't say I've seen much of them. You know, obviously I know what he did at Ajax, but other than that, I've kind of, I don't know. I, I don't know, man. I'm really on the fence on Gravenberch. Certainly more so on the fence with him than Mount, who I'm happy for us not to sign. Uh, I think if it's Justin City approach Gravenberch, he'd choose us. No idea. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know if he has a preference or not. I haven't got a clue. What I would say is, if you're Gravenberch and you look at both the midfields of both those clubs, you probably feel more confident of forcing your way into Liverpool's midfield than you may do into Manchester City's midfield. Because Manchester City's midfield is um it ain't too shabby and we need midfielders. So I guess it would depend on how he looks at the situation. You know, does he think, fuck it, I can make it at City? Or does he think I've gone to Bayern, hasn't really worked? Can I afford another move? That may be uh that may be a little bit fifty fifty whether it would work. Would you rather have Mount or Gravenberch? I'd feel more comfortable with the, with the numbers around Gravenberch. And with Gravenberch, there is the possibility of it being another Andy Robertson type signing, like as in low money, but could be brilliant. There's a risk with Gravenberch, but yeah, Gravenberch for me over Mount. I think Mount would be such a disappointment. I just thought I I don't see the the big appeal of Mount, 
I, I, I don't know. It's difficult speaking about somebody that I can't say I've really paid a lot of attention to because he's a Chelsea player. And I'm not English, so I don't give a shit about his form in the national team. But I don't see it. I don't see it at that at the levels we're talking about, like 60 million, 70 million quid. I definitely don't see it. Mount will be bought because he's English. See, that's bullshit. If we needed that quote, it's just fucking sign a kid for like 6 million or something. That could potentially go on to do bits. Like, right, if you need homegrown quotas, look at your man from Bristol. What's his name? Alex Scott. There, there you go. Box ticks, job done. You're welcome. Doesn't make sense to me to sign someone just because. You know, we want the next great English talent, not one that's now here. He's on the other side of decent, but I don't know, just it's very underwhelming for me. Like, I feel excited about the idea of Alexis McAllister, like genuinely excited about adding him in to our midfield. I mean, I'm McAllister, by the way, without any shadow of a doubt. I respect the talents of Moses or Mos Caicedo. Um, but yeah, I'm McAllister all the way. Which is really odd, because you know the way sometimes you have these moments in your life that you remember for very unknown reasons. I remember late night, sitting at home, watching a stream of, I want to say it was South American World Cup qualifiers. And I remember seeing this kid come off the bench for Argentina and seeing the name Alexis McAllister and looking at him going, he's kind of gingery. His name's McAllister, and he's playing for Argentina. How random is that? And I remember that so vividly, sitting at home. Never would have thought that, fast forward a few years, that um, we could be, we, we, he could be a Liverpool player. It's weird. But uh, I love it. I love the idea of it, and I hope it happens. Does the idea of Bellingham choosing us if we go back in from the top four? I think, I think we've, I get the feeling we've honestly moved on from Bellingham. That's my genuine, unfortunate feeling, is that when you look at the numbers, and again, I always told you, I don't know the numbers, but I'm working off the numbers that have been reported by others about what he's potentially getting at Real Madrid. And those numbers are way, way, way too high for my liking. Way too high for a 19-year-old kid. Um, Because remember, if he goes there at 380 grand a week, he's 19, 20. What's going to happen when he wants to renew? Because players usually look to renew two, two and a half years into a deal. What's going to happen there? He's going to want 450, 500 grand. It's just going to get... It's, the numbers are just astronomical and it does... Oh, I can't believe I'm maybe... I understand it a lot more now. Put it that way. I, I do. I've kind of revised my perception on how Liverpool walked away from this. Because look, the player from a playing perspective, great fit, perfect fit, would have done. But we do need three, maybe a centre-back. And if you can get Alexis McAllister for less than 40% of the money um, to pay Bellingham, and then you can still bring in another midfielder, and even on the same money as Alexis McAllister, still be less, probably bring a new Garte, and then you're probably at the same wage fee. I mean, I can understand Klopp in the situation we are financially having to make that call. Um, to put into context, is Mo not on about three, 350 a week? Oh, yeah, he is. I think Mo, again, just going off what's been published, 
Mo Salah is on about 350 grand a week. And that's that's the that's our best player of the last five, six years. That's, you know, a man smashing records at the club and proving his value season in, season out. So he's earned his money. You know, Salah's earned his money. Um and earned the right to be the highest paid player at the club. Now, there was an article in The Athletic from James Pierce, and it, I guess it's a thought-provoking article that I thought maybe we could bring and have a conversation on. And James Pierce's point is that Mohamed Salah could very well go down, when all is said and done, as Liverpool's greatest ever player. Thoughts? Now, remember, what James is saying is when all said and done, so when his career is over, he could go down as the greatest to ever do it for Liverpool. I think these things are very personal to people and to their own perceptions and maybe to their to their age their era um and i don't think there is a right and wrong answer as such i would just say no not for me top five yeah you can have that conversation i think top five definitely we can have that conversation but i don't know you know his numbers look his numbers are comparable but anyone you know, his numbers speak for themselves, but sometimes it's a bit more than numbers, right? Sometimes it's a bit about what the player makes you feel, what the style of play that appeals to you as a football fan. And look, Salah can take a lot of boxes. And, you know, we are blessed to have the great man. But I, I, I just can't see a time where Salah finishes, even with another league title or a couple more trophies. And I think I've just witnessed the greatest player to ever do it for Liverpool. I still think the most talented player I've ever seen lace up a pair of boots for Liverpool was Luis Suarez, in all honesty. Not saying he's the greatest because he didn't do it long enough. Gerrard was probably the, the one from my era, my generation, where we look back and think, he's the, he's the go. He's the, he's the icon for me. Before me, people were probably looking at uh, King Kenny, you know, Graham Souness, some of the other you know multiple European Cup winning players. And look, it is an interesting conversation point, right? And, uh, you know, the fact that Mo is even in this conversation is a credit to himself and the amazing career he's had. I kind of hope we get Real in the Champions League if, by the greatness of this universe, we get top four. Imagine the negative reception you would get at Anfield. He doesn't deserve to get a negative reception anywhere, though. You know? Um, it's not Bellingham's fault that Liverpool went in another direction. And... You know, we're talking about probably the most storied club in world football. A club that is more than iconic. A club that is built to win, that is built to succeed, that is redoing that magnificent stadium of theirs. And I put Real Madrid in the kind of pot with United in that I hate the fuckers, but I respect them. I respect what they've done and what they're doing. And I respect the efficiency of their rebuild. You know, if you're looking to bring in new midfielders and you've added Chiumeni and you've added Camavinga and you're looking to add Jude Bellingham to Federico Valverde and there is another name because it's been reported that um, Marco Verratti could be set to leave Paris Saint-Germain and move to Real Madrid. And I think that would be a masterstroke because you've got Modric and Cruz coming to the very end. Verratti, at the tail end of his career, certainly injury-prone, but for a bit of class, a bit of experience, I think that's a masterstroke if Madrid sort that out. Um, and then maybe we can we can talk about the possibility of Shoemeni leaving because 
I think there's been more reports. Somebody said in the comments a few minutes ago, have you seen David Maddock spoke about the possibility of Shuameni maybe leaving Real Madrid already? That could be um that could be an interesting conversation to have. Is Shu unhappy with the manager lack of game time? No idea. You know, no idea. I I'm I'm intrigued though. Because he was defo one of Klopp's targets. He was the one even earlier than Bellingham that we certainly looked to make a play for. The player made it very clear and no issue with this either that Madrid was his dream. He got his move to Madrid. 70, 79 million euro or pound, if my memory is correct. Um, and look, it's not for me to say whether it's worked out for him or not at Real Madrid. But if they're open to selling him, I mean, I, I I find it hard to think if they're open to selling him, Klopp wouldn't at least look to engage his representatives on it. Uh, if I was many, I'd be angry also. With Jude, he gets pushed back even further. And now Modric and Cruz will have also re-signed. Wow, now Verratti. I know, man. It's, um... That's how you build a squad, by the way. That's how you, That's how you win. You know, no fucking about with maybes or... You go in there and you just go in and get it right. So what's going on with Mane? Yeah, no worries. Let's go to this one then. So Sadio Mane. There are two reports today. Um, one from Footy Insider and one from Pedro Almeida. And both of them speak about the potential of Sadio Mane going to Chelsea. What do we think? I, do you know what? I, sensibly, I can see the appeal to Chelsea. But oh, I, I don't want him to go there. I don't want Sadio to go to Chelsea. Like it's like he's gone to a club where, for whatever reason, you can say it may or may not be working. I don't want him to go to Chelsea. Um, I'm not going to say it'll taint his Liverpool legacy for me because I do love Sadio and appreciate him while he was here. But if he goes to Chelsea, I mean, it'll certainly remove a little bit of the uh, fondness that I have for him. And I said to you guys when he left, while he's playing football, he's the enemy when he's not at Liverpool. When he hangs up his boots, we can go back to talking about him in those glowing terms. But if he goes to Chelsea, mm, don't know, you know. We, uh, we have proper history, rivalry, form with Chelsea and having seen some of the Chelsea fans at Anfield firsthand on a few occasions and their disdain for look there's just scummery scumbaggery around the waving fibers in the air and you know mocking the economic circumstances of other people and stuff mm, would rather he didn't personally would really rather he didn't can see him as a PSG as a man or name our replacement, excuse me, said Jabba. I mean, look, let him go to PSG, then we can all go, we went for the money, you know. We can just go fuck him, he went for the money. You know, if he goes to Bayern, which he has, he's getting a big payday, but you know, whether it works out or not. Um, let me just say this though, I wouldn't want him back at Liverpool. That that much I would put out there. Um Yeah. Wouldn't want him back at Liverpool. I I think that ship has sailed. Uh, Monkey said Chelsea with their nasty chance about us. Nah, fuck him if he goes to Chelsea. Mm, kind of with real. Although I'm trying to be more respectful of it because, you know, he's a good dude, Sadio. He's a good dude who um gave us some amazing moments, and we should always think of him well. But 
of all the clubs, man. If it was Arsenal, I'd, I'd be like, yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah, those three, you can't go to United, City and Chelsea and then have the same mystique for us as Liverpool fans. I, I mean, I don't want to speak for all Liverpool fans, but it's certainly, certainly one in the negative column. Uh, ben said, the thing is, though, I would. Why, Ben? I mean, remember now, Sadio's at the tail end of his career, Ben, so Chelsea have no European football next season. They have a bit of a crazy situation with their squad. Yes, um, Mauricio Pochettino will probably come in there and make changes, good things, and put a better group in place, but you're talking no guarantee that even in two years you'll be back playing in the Champions League with Chelsea. So I don't see the appeal of Chelsea to me for Sadio Mane. I think there are many, many other potential options. I think if he goes to Chelsea, it's for one reason, and that's money. Apparently, Chelsea's owner has got a hard-on for Neymar and already talked to PSG before. I don't know why anybody would be looking to throw that much money at Neymar. I mean, I was speaking with with True Geordie about it yesterday, obviously from a Newcastle perspective, and I was thinking, if I was you, or I was Eddie Howe, or I was any of those players, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want Neymar anywhere near St. James's Park, or, I mean, can you imagine that lad in the Premier League? Can you imagine, we'd spend more time talking about him whinging and rolling around, it'd just be too fucking annoying for me to see him in the Premier League, just piss off back to Spain or something. I think Mane feels we treated Salah better than him. I've always said I understand that, mate. I do. Because we did. We did treat Salah better than him. Mane to Newcastle would fit. Do you know what? That's not a bad show. No idea if there's any truth to it or not. Or if you and I are just having this conversation randomly. But I think the Geordies would love him. If he went there. Um... Obviously, I don't want any of our rivals strengthened with players that I think can help them, but I tell you what, that's not a bad show. Shall we talk about the sporting director? Yes, Frankie. Um, so, apparently, Liverpool have moved along in their search. Now, there are some people who think that this is a likely appointment, and there are some people who think that he's just one of the candidates, but Jorg Schmetke, and again, excuse my pronunciation, spelled S-C-H-M-A-D-T-K-E, Schmedke, um, is the one that is looking likely, most likely possible. Um, former Wolfsburg sporting director, I believe he worked there for five years, currently not employed. So um, I, I mean, that's, that's where my knowledge ends on this. Can't say I even heard of the man's name before the past three or four days. Um, it's weird because we're probably not going to know much about this appointment, but I cannot emphasize how important a sporting director is at a club like Liverpool or any modern club. It is really important that you get this position right because, you know, he keeps the continuity going throughout the club. He's the bridge between the owners and the manager. He's certainly, you know, part of the transfer committee. Um, it's a huge thing that you need to get right. And we've been blessed under Klopp's tenure that, you know, Michael Edwards and Julian Ward have, have done very, very well in their roles. Um, so, yeah, it's an odd one, this. It's an odd one. So what is the sporting director meant to do? He's meant to do a little bit of everything from 
you know, making sure the football and philosophy of the club stays right through, even with changes of coaches. He's the one who is the kind of conduit between the manager and the owners. He's the one who obviously sits down with the manager, speaks about the sporting side of the club, the acquisitions of players, players' contracts, all that kind of stuff. It's a big role with a wide-ranging brief that if you can get the right person in there, it can it can work very well, which it has done for us. So he sold Oshman for three million. I'm scared. Did he? I didn't know that. I didn't know that, mate. You've uh, you've given me some information there, Frankie. I did not know that. Uh, and he also got in trouble for spitting gum at a manager. Wow. I mean, yeah, you're educating me, Frankie. I have no idea about the dude at all. Apparently, he didn't have any control over selling Osherman for three million. Good. You'd hope not. I don't know. I just find it a bit. I don't know how to say this, but I find it a bit weird that it's been a lot of German sporting directors we've seen linked. Now I know there was the guy Paul Mitchell, um, formerly of Monaco, I think, but it seems to have always had a lot of uh. German connections there. And I don't want one of Klopp's mates in there. I want a sporting director that will listen to our manager, but will challenge our manager and will fight the cause of what's best for the long term. Um so let's wait and see. I, I don't as I said, I don't know anything about this dude, so uh Osherman was on loan and had a clause that he'd be sold if all requirements were to be met and he had no control over it, so Osherman wasn't good then too. Um, well, look, Napoli spotted something, didn't they? And they uh, obviously have done quite well out of Victor Osherman. Uh, according to CF Bayern, who's Christian Falk, George Schmadke is actually in talks with Liverpool first about a post as an external consultant for transfers. Hmm, for temporary support. That might work. Yeah, I mean, see how he fits in gels. Yeah, can see some sense in that. If we're being realistic, Craig, how many signings do you believe we'll make this summer? Um, I think we'll make four signings that we can argue are for the here and now and maybe one that's for the future or has potential. I'm pessimistic on the midfielder search. I think we may get two. Um, Centre-back and then maybe the full-back that we're speaking about. You know, And for the full-back, I'd imagine it will be a younger potential. But then again, look, we have that with Ramsey and we have that with um, Bradley. Do we need a right back? So it's a very good question, Connor. I would argue no. Not a, not an absolute right back. For me, I'd rather a versatile full back than a specialist right back. Because, again, we, we signed Calvin Ramsey. He's been unlucky with injury. Connor Bradley, probably better suited to a wing back role. Maybe as a midfielder. But no, I don't think we need a, a right back as such. I'm open to selling Costas and bringing in another utility fullback that can cover on either side. Because uh, I don't think Costas is going to be the long-term successor to Andy Robertson. I haven't seen enough progression during this. He's, like, he's not bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying out with Costas, but I just don't see him really pushing on to be that Robbo replacement. Uh, Futsal, I said, I think Connor Bradley could be bloody brilliant if he continues to develop. I mean, I rate the kid. And I'm a sucker for energy, remember? I told you, I'm a sucker for a player getting the ball down and running at people. And Connor Bradley does that. But I fear we'll have a Nico Williams situation on our hands there where we all agree that he's good enough 
for the Premier League, but unsure if he's ready to be at the top, top, top with us yet. Which is unfortunate because I, I really, really do like a lot of the stuff I see about Conor Bradley. If Kelleher leaves, would you argue a backup keeper seeing as Adrian is shocking? Well, Adrian's going to be gone in the summer from my understanding. And yes, um, Kelleher. Do you know what I've seen lately for Kelleher? Brentford. So Raya is probably going to move on. There's been talk of Raya to maybe Spurs, but I've seen a couple of bits and pieces to say that if if Brentford do lose him, then maybe uh, maybe they're going to look for Cuevin Kelleher as an option to come in there for Brentford, which I think could be an okay move for Cuevin. Don't think it would be the best move for him, but it'd be a Premier League move, even if they are a bunch of whining, fucking diving, rolling around, stop-start merchants. Um, yeah, I could understand if he, if he wanted to go there. Actually got to show Connor Brentford Stadium yesterday on our journey from Heathrow out to uh, the studio in London where we were filming the kickoff. Um, we drive past Sky Sports Studios and we drive past Brentford Stadium and I was able to point it out to Connor yesterday. How do you turn up to Old Trafford with a midfield of Milner, uh, Elliot and Hendo? I don't know, mate. But speaking about Manchester United, 7-0. 7-0. Doesn't matter what happens this season. If you get Champions League, fair play. But 7 fucking nil. That is never going away. You can't scrub that from the history books. And even in this season where you're saying Ten Hag is the new Messiah, you're still giving us a little look in. And, you know, it's not going to be a season you can look back and say, you're back and you absolutely bested us. We had a worst campaign in a long time. And um, you're still just barely ahead of us. 7-0. 7, -nil. Seven. But on this debate, this Arsenal-United debate, and we talked about this on the kickoff again yesterday. So the question that was put to us yesterday was, who has had a better season managerially, Mikel Arteta or Eric Ten Hag? And my answer is, Ten Hag has had the better season, but I'd prefer Arteta if I was a fan. I'd prefer the, the club be managed by Arteta. But Ten Hag's had a better season because he won a trophy. In his first season. Can't argue against winning a trophy. You know. And he's in another final. And he could maybe guide them back into the Champions League. So for me. If you finish second. Third. Fourth. If you're not first. You're an also run. And. You know. They'll both get Champions League. So. I don't know. I think. In a debate where you both got Champions League. A trophy trumps it for me. But I would rather Arteta. I'd feel more comfortable with life if I was an Arsenal fan than I would as uh, a United fan with Ten Hag because Ten Hag's made improvements, no doubt about it. But um, you've got to go with the trophy, though, for the season. So for me, Ten Hag, better season. Arteta, better project. Seven Hag is the most overrated manager I've seen. They talk of him like he walks on water. Yeah, they talk of all the managers like that, don't they? You know? Craig and Craig had me baffled yesterday. So, funny story about that. The previous time I was on, it was myself, um, Josh, Brian, Craig, Mitch, and the Irish guy. And I was chatting with the Irish guy beforehand, and we were saying, like, oh, there's two Craigs on the show. What are we going to do? So Irish speakers will understand what I'm about to say. I said, we'll just refer to him as Iverado. 
and he won't have a fucking clue what we're talking about and it'll be a little in joke between me and you and I'll explain it to him at the end which I did but um yeah Iverado means number 2 for those of you who you know obviously don't speak Irish um so I was just calling him Iverado for the whole stream and you could see or at least when we were speaking off camera as well and he was like mm-hmm. and rightly so where the fuck would he know but yeah that's uh that's how we resolved that initially I just call him Mitch when I chat with him but I tell you what He's um he's a really slick dude. I love Mitch. Honestly, I he's brilliant. On and off camera. Um just a good, good fella. Very smooth, very uh fun to be around. Really, really nice man. Um does bits as well, lads. Doing bits in his career, fair play to him. I seen a video of him with Damon Dash uh talking about some trainers and stuff. Yeah, just delighted from he's going to the champions league final as well he's doing some corporate work for that one so uh very jealous but yeah really liked him and bavs as well is a really nice fella rory jennings said ramsdale is better than allison i mean without trying to be disrespectful to rory that's bullshit i'm not labeling this at rory by the way so but that's what does my head in about modern football content is that we're subjected to this stupidity, to this fucking gobshitery of, of opinions that get clipped up and get numbers and get people gigs and get people jobs and get... But it's bullshit. It's like, we should be just laughing at this shit and going, fuck off. Let me just say this. Can you imagine my response to that if I was on a panel and somebody said to me, regardless of who it is and again i'm not having a pop at rory jennings at all um but as a take that is ridiculous so even i, I, no, I don't even know what to say it's fucking it's, it's crazy it's crazy um he's not even in the same ballpark so yeah my big pet peeve about our industry is the stupid takes that are said with no other reason other than to be clipped and i hate that because it cheapens what we do and it cheapens the integrity of football fan content for me. It's like we're reducing it again down to clickbaity, over-the-top nonsense opinions. And I, I, it's my big peeve, man, about this industry. It's just fuck off with your stupid opinions, which are togged in nonsense. And just give me people who actually know what the fuck they're talking about. And uh, I'm far more comfortable listening to the content. Because there's a load of great content creators out there with really in-depth knowledge and don't get half the opportunities that some of these clickbait merchants or controversy merchants get. I don't want to see controversy re rewarded. I want to see entertainment and quality rewarded in what we do. That's my, that re it's the one thing in this industry that annoys me more than anything else. Can we talk how it's Milner's and Bobby's last game at Anfield? Yeah, it's going to be sad, isn't it? Two giants of our Jurgen Klopp era for differing reasons. James Milner came in and brought that winning mentality that, uh, that you know, highest levels, that no fucking dropping standards. You know, you're at it every day on the training pitch, on the pitch when you're playing. That's what you get with James Milner. You know, just honest as the day is long professional 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 and then bobby just this this assassin this smiling beautiful crazy fucking brilliant bastard um yeah 
two two absolute legends for different reasons and it's going to be an incredibly sad day when we say goodbye to both of them and both of them should get nothing but and will get nothing but a massive massive thank you from everyone i honestly think milner will be a premier league manager for years maybe not with us but he's staying in football for life maybe yeah you never know you never know right i'm gonna call it a night my friends i will um i will see you guys tomorrow at 7 30 for the watch along of real madrid against manchester city in the champions league semi-final first leg appreciate you all again tonight much love don't forget check out tonight's video on youtube as well if you get a chance and uh yeah i'll talk to you tomorrow bye bye hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com